Welcome to Tantra Talks, where we make fintech sexy. On each episode, topics will range from news and updates about fintech, Bitcoin, and other cryptocurrencies, to algorithmic trading, mining, consumer adoption, and on occasion, we will get cosmic and explore how Bitcoin is ushering in an entirely new financial paradigm. This podcast is brought to you by Tantra Labs and hosted by Tantra CTO Russell LaCour and Creative Director Brecky Von Bitcoin. Please note, all opinions expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Tantra Labs, Inc. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hey there, folks. Brecky Von Bitcoin back to introduce a really fun episode. This one was a bit last minute, but none other than Tone Vase was in town for a brief stopover in LA, and we had to get him on the pod. If you're involved in Bitcoin, then Tone Vase needs no introduction, but if you're part of our fintech audience, Tone is one of the loudest and most prolific prom- proponents. Why would why did I put the word proponents in my uh, in my intro? That was just just a dumb word. Prolific proponents. That's a, a, too many P's there. Tone is one of the loudest and most prolific proponents of Bitcoin we have. He hosts one of the most popular Bitcoin-related channels on YouTube, and he's just a fun guy to hang out with if you ever get the chance. On this episode, we chat about some of the trading-focused events he puts on around the world in places like Bali and the Dominican Republic, as well as his Unconfiscatable Conference, which is coming up later this month in Las Vegas. Uh, Check out the show notes if you'd like to learn more about that. Uh, We also get into the idea of censorship resistance versus unconfiscatability. We talk about the path to hyper-Bitcoinization and a future that is denominated in Bitcoin. We talk about Bitcoin as a safe haven asset, and we also touch on Bitcoin in the context of scams. (coughs) I'm sorry, I mean forks like BSV and BCH. Uh, And one last thing, you hear it on all the podcasts, but it is incredibly important if you're enjoying this content, please, please, please subscribe and leave us a nice review on iTunes. Those reviews do actually go a long way. But enough of my begging for you to please, please, please subscribe and leave a nice review on iTunes. Sit back, relax. It's time for Tantra Talks. All right, ladies and gents, we are here recording Tantra Talks podcast, and we have a legend in the studio, none other than Tone Vaz. Tone Vaze. Oh. Russell always gets the names wrong. I think he's doing it on purpose at this point. <laughs> how do we how do we say it, Tone? Is it Tone Vaze? Tone Vaze. There's no like what's the Russian pronunciation of it? It's actually Vaze. Vaze? Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Because I think the German would be like Vice. Uh because you, you're Russian, right? I am, but like, like it has like some German roots. So mm. it's like when you have a last name that went from German, translated to Russian, translated into English, mm. and then it kind of... It gets yeah. discombobulated. Yeah, different <laughs> alphabets. Were you, uh, you were born in America? or No, I was born in Russia. Okay. You spend most of your life there? or No, no most, mostly in America. Okay. Uh, but uh, I spent some time there. Why'd you leave? Uh, I was still communist country back then family mm. wanted to move out mm. you were a proto bitcoiner you, yeah. you learned yeah. the lessons the hard way i mean that's a pet our ceo is the same way his family was from iran, iran. 
And so mm. they left when the mullahs took over. Mm -hmm. Not the mullahs. The mullahs? I don't know. I'm really bad with history. I've heard this story so many times. But... There's America and then there's everywhere else. <laughs> Is that you, Russ? Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> um, no, but ultimately, like, he was a pre-Bitcoiner, right? Like, they left because the government had way too much control and yeah. was really trying. They put their hands in everybody's pocket, right? And when you can't say anything, like, no, you just want to leave. I mean, this this kind of brings us to the whole reason tones into Bitcoin, the the unconfiscatability of it, um, which is different than censorship resistance. Yeah, to me it is. I try to separate the two because they have very unique properties. And uh, this movement, this difficulty of people to move becomes even more difficult when you can't move with your money. Mm. And uh, throughout history, Governments have always gone after the money uh, very often, uh, even when certain, uh, I guess, regions of the world decide to just unilaterally change religion on their population. One of the reasons is because they feel religion is getting too powerful and too rich and they want to go after the money. That's what the communism movement was as well back in Russia, uh, where I'm from. You know, you demonize the rich, you go after the rich. Uh, you've seen it here in the U.S. a little bit with a lot of people supporting socialism, a lot of people supporting Bernie Sanders' views mm -hmm. on socialism. And it's basically confiscation of money from uh, the rich. You demonize the rich. You try to take their money, uh, which is a lot harder to do now thanks to Bitcoin. And yeah. uh, that's why this unconfiscatability property of Bitcoin is, to me, the most sacred property of Bitcoin. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, that's really cool. And so you're uh, unconfiscatable. Unconfiscatable. Is that what you said? Yeah. It's a hard word. I got to I gotta say yeah. that tone, but I like it. I'm going to practice it. Are right. you, um, what is this? Can Is it a book someone can read? Is it a podcast someone can listen to? Is it? Um, maybe one day uh, I'll get there. But for now, it's, uh, it's a conference titled Bitcoin, Not Blockchain, because mm -hmm. we got bombarded with blockchain <laughs> conferences. Uh, over the last three to four years. And the Bitcoin conferences are starting to come back. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember my first conferences that I attended were inside Bitcoins. Uh, were you around for that, Brecky? I don't think I was. When was this? Uh, 2013, 14. No, I bought my first Bitcoins in 2013 at the top, and then we crashed, and <laughs> I forgot about it for a little while. But I held. I held. You held through, yeah. Uh, that's what I was advising people to do as well. Um, I held through myself. But uh, yeah, there used to be a conference called Inside Bitcoins. That was the first conference I spoke at and attended a few of them. Uh, the company stopped doing those conferences. And it was hard to find a Bitcoin conference anywhere. I was looking for them and they just weren't there. Now we have a few. We have uh, like Honey Badger over in Riga, Latvia. Uh, there's one in Austin, Texas, Bitblock Boom. Uh, and that's about it. And the other conferences are more developer focused. And I wanted something for the Bitcoin community and uh, was able to get unconfiscatable.com uh, awesome. after kind of coining the word a little bit. Uh, actually, one of my fans kept hearing me say the word over and over and over again. And he just messages me and says, hey, Tone, you always say it, but um, I just bought unconfiscatable.com. Do you want it? <laughs> and I'm awesome. like, yeah. That's great. Somebody did that to me with one of my one of the like things that I was doing. They, Oh, we got to sneeze. We got to nope, sneeze. Nope, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, we ruined it. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Right. But no, somebody, uh, 
uh, I forget what it was. I think I was making wallets that said dirty fiat on them. And they were like, you know, it's available. I was like, oh, shit, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised because there's a lot of uh, a lot of cyber squatters in the crypto world, <laughs> myself <Yeah>. included. <laughs> but just the crypto, like in general, like getting a really good domain is so important if you're going to do something like and it has to match uh, what you're doing. So after uh, getting the unconfiscatable conference off the ground, um, I wanted to do something else for the Bitcoin community, which is uh, coming from the traditional finance world. I was always the in-between guy, the finance and developer. I was the uh, I was the guy that understood development. I used to code, and I was also the guy that really understood finance well. So I was the go-between between a lot of finance guys and developers, and I saw this kind of thing lacking in the Bitcoin space a little bit. You have developers building amazing stuff, but no one is actually educating how to use it. Mm. And um, I got together with Adam Back, uh, the, the Blockstream CEO, who's mentioned in the Bitcoin white paper, and my friend Giacomo Zucco, who's also very good at explaining stuff. And we put together a conference called Understanding Bitcoin, and I was able to get understandingbtc.com. Cool. And that's now our conference where we use the core developers to try and educate the non-developers on how to use Bitcoin's advanced features. Mm, very cool. Uh, so that's another uh, you know co cool domain in the crypto space. And then I have a financial event uh, that the website is thefinancialsummit.com. Mm. Uh, so that one, I just got lucky on that one. <laughs> the Financial Summit, that's a good one. I think we, we almost went to that. You just did it recently in Algorithmic Summit. Um, yeah, that's the that's pretty much it. It was in Bali mm -hmm. and it was really, really good. It went incredibly well. People loved it. It was a way to connect uh, hedge funds with traders. Awesome. So it's mostly for high level traders and hedge funds, uh, exchanges uh, or like a CEO of an exchange. It's really designed for like high level people from their companies to network with other high level people in the world of trading. At the moment, it's mostly focused on the crypto side, but one day it'll branch out to all of trading. I can see Bitcoin just being another asset one day instead of its own ecosystem. Right. Uh, so uh, that was it, did it in Bali, went really well. So now we're gonna do two uh, in 2020, one coming up in, uh, in April in Dominican Republic and then going back to Bali in November. Cool. Just and keep choosing these great vacation spots. This has <laughs> got to be on purpose, I think. Do you think that uh, when Bitcoin develops as that kind of an ecosystem, that it happens on chain or in a side chain, or does it happen in the CME, right? Like we're seeing futures come online where they're physically backed, some are cash settled, but ultimately does this ecosystem evolve and start to bring other ecosystems in or do other ecosystems as we're seeing now uh, adopt Bitcoin. You understand? Um, kind of. I think that right now people are trying to use the Bitcoin and the blockchain for things that it probably will not be used for in the future. <laughs> so yeah. um, at the moment, it may feel like the crypto space is going to suck everything in. Uh, but it's but I think the more likely path is that the traditional world will just utilize Bitcoin mm. and some of it will utilize Bitcoin on chain. Some of it will utilize Bitcoin uh, in second layer solutions. Some of it will utilize Bitcoin uh, in side chains. Right. Uh, so once you have a full understanding of the advantages of Bitcoin, other than 
uh, you know, securing funding from unqualified investors, uh, <laughs> then you realize that there are use cases. <laughs> Wait, but, <laughs> That was too good. I, you could replace <laughs> Ethereum there too. It's interchangeable. Okay, sorry. Uh, I mean, once you figure out what uh, what the blockchain can actually do for your business, uh, you'll realize that yeah, it has a it potentially has a little bit of a use case. Mm -hmm. But uh, unless you're looking to like print your own money again in the, in the yeah. space, it, it's really not uh, gonna change the way you do your business. Mm -hmm. Like it just it just won't. Uh, but it will revolutionize the way people see money yeah. and the way people use money and the way people understand money. So it's really interesting that you say that because so I don't know how much you know about us, but we actually take uh, Bitcoin contributions in the form of debt and then trade it. So we're one of the first funds in the space where you can actually give us Bitcoin and then we give you performance on that Bitcoin. So we would never give you back less Bitcoin, only more. And the way that we actually transact is through the blockchain. So every record there is immutable. So we're like a traditional finance company might be able to lie to you because they can edit their own internal records. We use the blockchain to actually push money around and actually make these transactions, which is I like as a developer, it's beautiful because I know the data integrity. There's no chance that somebody's gonna go and actually manipulate the blockchain and change these records that I've put there. So. I'm a huge fan of Bitcoin for businesses in that sense because you kind of get to abstract away this idea of lying. Hmm, I haven't thought of that before. Well, that that is true. However, um, you can't alter those records, but uh, you could certainly alter like entering those records, right? So mm -hmm. this is the whole concept of, well, if we put voting on the blockchain that it somehow becomes legit. Well, no, you can put fake votes into the blockchain, right? And yeah. then they're there immutably. So while um, that is true, uh, there, there could still be, you know... Um, it doesn't work for everything. Uh, you know? Yeah, it really doesn't. Like, for example, uh, like if you have a very rich friend with a lot of Bitcoin, uh, he can push, you know, that Bitcoin through the blockchain, making it look like it's somebody else's Bitcoin as long as that person is getting it back, as long as he has the keys. So, um, right. the, the, I, I mean, yeah, the record is immutable, but you still have to have some kind of, uh, I, I don't want to use the word regulation, but there still has to be some kind of an oversight mm -hmm. that the record being entered right. is, is the actual legitimate record. And uh, the blockchain doesn't solve that problem. Mm. Good point. I have this conversation with a lot of people, especially with like some of the artwork I do, because I make like physical artwork, like canvases and sculptures and people are like, oh, you should tokenize it. And I, I have zero interest in that. Uh, well, maybe if it was on Bitcoin, I'd, I'd consider it, but it's not a panacea for things like provenance in the art world. And if you look at something like, like medical records, like everyone's like, oh, we're going to put medical records on the blockchain. Great. Well, meanwhile, like the, the clerk who gets paid, you know, nothing to enter the, the information could screw up and then it's permanently on the blockchain unless they you know you know put a new entry in or something right so it, it just doesn't make sense when you're link, linking something physical to something digital or it might make sense but it's more of a tool than it is like a cure-all um so well i would almost like go back to what you said it's like there are things that blockchain solves and there are things that it partially solves right, right but, but russ bitcoin fixes everything so let's not do <laughs> that is that uh, is that the name of one of your conferences did he just insult you <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a it's a popular meme in the, the Bitcoin world. If you spend a little more time on Twitter, Russell, <laughs> you would know sorry. that. I know. Too busy coding the tweet. Yeah, no, one of my favorite memes, um, I think Jensep did this one, where it's like this uh, superhero guy and it says, um, I just heard about blockchain. I'm here to fix it. <laughs> so this is uh, this is the Vitalik Buterin's. Um, I can make a bigger, better Bitcoin, and here comes Ethereum. Uh, I, I just or Richard Hard. I can make a better Bitcoin. Here comes Hex. Because oh God. apparently, apparently the pro the biggest problem that the world finance has is. Uh, CD interest because that's what he's gonna bring. With. Oh, I thought the problem was that he wasn't rich enough. <laughs> <laughs> we, all have, we all have that problem. We just yeah. <laughs> well, we just weren't smart enough to make blockchains to uh, make ourselves more money. Uh, no, we had morals, Russ. We yeah. had morals. We're mission driven here. At least I am. So, I'm I'm gonna take this in an interesting direction. I don't know why, but I I just if you're willing to comment, what is your take on? Bitcoin versus Bitcoin Cash versus Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. Ugh. We just went into this last night. We were at a, uh, a meetup and a guy stands up in the back after and clearly a maximalist room. Like everyone here is like <laughs> pure Bitcoin. Like we're not like shitting on altcoins or anything like that. But like this guy did not know his room. And he, he gets up and he says, you know, I just want to play devil's advocate. And he starts saying how, you know, he, he and meanwhile, he does not play devil's advocate. He like shills the hell out of well he, he gets up and says lightning is terrible and you know bigger blocks are good and this and that and i i asked him well what about block propagation and he like kind of shrugged it off and it just interesting you're just putting salt into the wound here it was okay well we can, <laughs> well, we can cut it out if we don't uh, it's important to to get into it though no, no sure i can mention it uh roger veer and i debated this many times even before the original split our first debate uh, was at an Acapulco. This is February 2017. So this is before uh, Bitcoin Cash, or I like to call it Bcash to avoid confusion, uh, before it even existed. So this is back when we're debating Bitcoin Unlimited. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I would have been debating, debating Bitcoin Classic. And prior to that, I would have been debating <laughs> Bitcoin XT or NT. I don't remember anymore. It's been so long. <laughs> but um, yeah. uh, there was there has always been this push to create bigger blocks. Now, I don't know if this push was out of ignorance or this push was malicious. Now, there was a point in time where everyone thought that hard forking to a bigger block was possible. So there, there's, basically, there's basically two ways to think about it. Should the community go to a bigger block? And can the community go to a bigger block? Those are two completely separate things right uh, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should right and just because you should do something doesn't mean that you can't right that doesn't mean that you can't right so uh, the conclusion and and, uh, and you know you the people the core developers or what i like to refer as the smart people in the room because <laughs> i i can't code bitcoin right yeah. like like i'm not gonna if there's a nuclear reactor being built you know within uh within the radius of me dying from it I would like for that to be built by nuclear scientists, not people on Reddit. Right. So, uh, <laughs> wait, but Tone, don't you have a problem with the fact that Blockstream and the core contributors control Bitcoin? <laughs> what about that? Right. Well, that's a completely different discussion, uh, <laughs> which is also ridiculous. But uh, in this case, so, um, you know, we had uh, Bitcoin core developers looking look into the concept. And the conclusion that came out of it was one, 
you can't actually go to a bigger block because they came to a realization you can't get everyone to upgrade the protocol. It's just not going to happen. And you also shouldn't. Um, enough research came in that a bigger block is not safe for the network. It can centralize uh, mining. It could, uh, you know, cause other problems. It could, you know, uh, make this uh, very low fees down the road on a block. I mean, fees should be mm -hmm. on a second layer. So uh, it came back with a lot of research that A, we shouldn't and B, we can't. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, uh, the big blockers just didn't get the message. I don't know if they didn't get the message because they didn't understand the message or they didn't get the message because they were maliciously trying to uh, force their will upon Bitcoin or uh, maliciously trying to centralize it for their corporate interests. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what happens. And they created this altcoin and this altcoin is performing terribly. No, <laughs> one, no one uses it. It is worth approximately 3% of the Bitcoin of uh, Bitcoin value. It has 3% of Bitcoin's hash rate. And uh, every time it like doubles, you know, uh, you know, they, they go all out, but then it drops 90% again. Right. It, it's just not going to go anywhere over time. Uh, but it creates a problem because the leader of that cult is... Uh, owns Bitcoin.com and owns mining and owns pretty much uh, a lot of the big companies right. that uh, it creates a problem. It creates confusion. And then that camp didn't get along. But he, here's my favorite irony. So originally, you know, the, the, the Bcash that split off from Bitcoin, they split because they didn't like second layer scaling and they wanted a bigger block. So... That's what they did, and they were all together in unison. So it was Roger Veer and Craig and Fake Satoshi and uh, Calvin Air and uh, uh, Jihan Wu, you know, like all the big boys. And then about a year later, all of a sudden, you know, they they went to an eight megabyte block, and around that time, Roger Veer and Jihan Wu, so half that camp, said, you know, the block is big enough. Uh, we should start, you know, looking into second layer solutions. <laughs> but the other half of their camp said, no, no second layer solutions. We need a bigger block. <laughs> and then they split. Man. So you are watching, it was like irony in motion here. So now Roger Veer and his camp become the de facto Bitcoin's original argument. You, you can't go to a bigger block. And you should focus on second layer solutions because it's not safe the other way. Yeah. And that's what they're saying to Craig Wright. <laughs> They've come full circle. Right? right. Do you want to earn interest on your Bitcoin? Tantra Labs has the highest performing return on debt in Bitcoin. To find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, Medium, or the contact link available in the show notes. Now back to the show. You know what else is like? Real, I find incredibly ironic is this whole like dev tax thing. That's I think it's failed finally. I think Roger even pulled out of it recently. Um, well, they'll try again and again and again until they get it right. Yeah, but it's just like you know, Roger like in the early days was like the he was like the perfect Bitcoiner, the libertarian, and this, <laughs> the that, and you know, like no centralized control. And like and now they want to form a cartel and impose a tax. It's like it's just so <laughs> it goes against what he used to be. And he's well, for the us laymen, what's the dev tax? So basically, like, 
Roger and I'm not exactly sure who else was involved. Oh, all of them. Jihan. They all, and, they uh, all yeah, got yeah, together. Yeah. Everyone that's left. Anyone that's in charge. And uh, it was via BTC. Like all the miners. It was like 80, 90% of the hash power on uh, on Bcash. They basically said, oh, we're going to you know confiscate 12.5% from every block. And we're going to create a developer uh, money pool to pay the developers of mm. uh, Bcash from this... Uh, confiscation like the zcash right. uh, developer fund and if you don't then we're going to orphan your blocks basically. so socialism on the blockchain mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much i mean you implement a tax system so it's uh uh no it, it's just it just shows you how centralized that chain is yeah and uh it looks like they you know saying they're not going to do it now they'll restructure the deal uh, i mean they can do whatever they want it's uh yeah it does it seems like <laughs> I think you said it perfectly in the beginning. It's a corporate interest. It was all, yeah. it was always about money and not about people. And that's what Bitcoin's supposed to be about, right? It's about people. It's about being unconfiscatable. It's about putting sovereignty back in the hands of the individual and not delegating power to someone outside of yourself, right? That's yeah, the beauty 100%. of technology and Bitcoin. So, yeah, I, I think one of the funniest things about fake Satoshi is that, you know, he writes why Bitcoin Satoshi vision is Satoshi vision. And in his like declarations, as far as like taking uh, people's money after it's been sitting for a long time, there's arguments in the original white paper that say that those kinds of transactions that kind of like coins get lost. These are good things. Right. They'll increase the value of other coins around. And he's literally arguing the exact opposite and claiming that he's Satoshi. And it's just, what the fuck? Like what, what kind of mania do you exist in to contradict yourself? You know, yeah, they, they, they pick uh, all these guys like Bitcoin cash does that as well. And uh, Bitcoin SV, they pick like random uh, either quotes from Satoshi or like random parts of the Bitcoin white paper. And they just twist yeah. the logical meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And they go with the literal meaning. Mm. Like um, all of a sudden the word, cash in the title of the bitcoin white paper is being actually taken literally yeah right like i'm pretty sure uh, and you can debate the definition of cash even safe in his book mm-hmm. uh talked about he didn't talk about cash as you know this uh thing that needed high velocity mm-hmm. talked about cash from a perspective of savings mm-hmm. so about cash as the perspective of money which has traditionally mm-hmm. been gold something that you save first and spend later uh so they just like focus on these words and they just keep twisting the meanings it's uh it it's kind of crazy it's uh, i just saw one today i forgot i think it was uh i forgot who tweeted it out but it was basically something like satoshi did envision a future where you know there are these big server farms that uh he didn't even probably see it to this level because he i'm not sure he envisioned an asic coming in uh but even satoshi said well not everyone is going to run a node in the future and uh the bitcoin sv people are see it as well and and craig wright said it himself if you don't have twenty thousand dollars to run a node you shouldn't be a node and uh, this is why they want one gigabyte blocks because they um, <laughs> uh, that's what yeah. 
because they're basically looking at it from the perspective of, well, you better have a $20,000 machine and be a miner in order to have a node. And they see it, well, because Satoshi might have said not everyone is going to run a node means that only the few rich and powerful can yeah. run a node. But the point is, anyone should have the ability to run a node mm -hmm. doesn't mean everyone will, yeah. but everyone should have access to running a node. Totally. And that's how we have it today. Mm -hmm. um, a mining node does not have any extra power versus a user node. Mm -hmm. Now, a mining node is way more, uh, does way more work, but a user node is just as powerful and you don't have to run a node. But the point is, if you want to, you can, mm -hmm. and you can process your own transactions with it. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to make that as available as possible for as long as possible. And a bigger block crushes that mm -hmm. because it already, it will already take you a week or two to download the Bitcoin blockchain today. Mm -hmm. In 10 years, might take up to a month to download the Bitcoin blockchain. Still better than, I don't know, maybe a year to download the Ethereum blockchain. <laughs> but uh, uh, but you want to you wanna make it accessible to people. Yeah. And, uh, and they just, I don't, again, it's all about centralization and control. Yeah. Centralization and control. And it's really unfortunate that Roger, like you said, he was, you know, the flag for uh you know libertarian and free thinking and now it's all about i know best and you know do what i say yeah so if, if you have anything else i was going to change topic no so, go for it so now that we're we all fully agree satoshi vision and bcash are bullshit um i i want to kind of go ethereal not ethereum on and let's talk about the future that exists where Bitcoin becomes like a world reserve asset, mm. uh, where it kind of either eclipses gold or is right on par with gold. Uh, do you see that happening? What's your timeline for that? And what does the world look like where we can denominate like my car costs one Bitcoin, right? Instead of it's $20,000 cash. So those are three very different things. Um, one is a unit of account. One is a Bitcoin's total market cap and its popularity. And the third is will the government and the Federal Reserve System accept Bitcoin, uh, you know, as backing of their government currencies? So um, not, not necessarily. More so that the people do. That the people actually begin to adopt Bitcoin for a reserve. Like we're seeing it in the Bitcoin community today. You mean like a savings vehicle? Like yeah, like I own Bitcoin because I use it for savings. Like any extra money that I have goes into Bitcoin, right? So is there a point where the world thinks that way? And what does that timeline look like? Uh, that's going to take a while. That's going to take a long while. And um, it, th these things will take a while. I'm, I'm hoping that at the end of this decade, we can have a serious discussion about these things in mm. the near future. Yeah. Um, for now, um, I think Bitcoin's next big like adoption goal is to pass gold's market cap. And we have yeah. a long way to go. Gold yeah. is at seven trillion or so. Yeah. And Bitcoin, we're sitting at what? Maybe three, four hundred billion right now. Yeah. That's it's basically three hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin plus. Uh, right. So we're getting there now on our way to get there. Here's what's going to help a lot. 
Um, well, obviously we need lightning to be fully functional in order to scale transactions. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's going to happen at this point. Lightning is doing very, very well. But the more important part is lightning is being built um, and everything in lightning is being denominated as a Satoshi. So in 10 years, no one is going to be talking about the value of one Bitcoin. Everyone's going to be talking about how much can you buy with a thousand Satoshis? How much can you right. buy with one Satoshi? Right. So you want to get to a point where you're walking up to an, uh, like a, like, I don't know, some kind of, like right now we have like penny machines and yeah. you can do that with like a single Satoshi. Right. So it'll take a little while. So it's really good that lightning is starting to denominate everything in Satoshis. So when we're talking when one Satoshi starts to equal, you know, a penny or 10 cents, that's when we're there. Right. And at that point, you can start saying that, hey, my car is worth, you know, 100,000 Satoshis. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's when we get there. That's when it starts to become that unit of account. Now, we'll see how stable that will be as a unit of account uh, because... Bitcoin will slowly start to appreciate in value even then. Uh, I think it will be a good world. A lot of the economists, a lot of, most of the 99% of the PhD economic world will basically blow a gasket. Uh, what do you mean a deflationary currency? What do you mean your money will actually go up in value? <laughs> really? or, I remember I was uh, at a conference with Noriel Rubini and he's on stage screaming that the banks and the government it's a bullshit no you're bullshit it's, yeah. it's a scam it's bullshit well not even that it was more of an economic conference mm. uh, and he's like the government needs to implement a negative 5 to 10% interest rate at the bank <laughs> uh, in order to make people spend more money mm. and I'm like uh, you know you can't do that right because Bitcoin exists but please try because everyone's just going to go into Bitcoin instead of losing 5 to 10% of their money every year automatically yeah. uh, so that was a good impression though of Noriel people say that I sound, I sound a little bit more like Giacomo but uh, well, it depends on what I'm saying, right? It's like, it's a bullshit. It's a bullshit. A Bitcoin is going to revolutionize the world. And uh, uh, Tom <laughs> Bays is my good friend. Uh, so I, it goes back and forth. <laughs> hey, Giacomo. Love you. Sorry about the impression. <laughs> Nuriel, if you're listening, uh, I'm not sorry at all. Oh, Nuriel is definitely listening. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah, so I, I think we will get there eventually, but we got a good decade to go. So yeah. just uh, stay healthy, eat right, and be alive when it comes. <laughs> that's all I can say. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so for reference, I'm looking at uh, Clark Moody's uh, Bitcoin dashboard. If you don't know it, it's awesome. Um, and right now, sats per dollar are at 10,236. But I'm hoping one day it's going to flip. It's going to be dollars per sat. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. I mean, that'd be crazy. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I mean, you're looking at, crazy. yeah. Oof. We might be in like, what What comes after trillions? Uh, gazillions. Gazillion, Is it a gazillion? I'm not actually sure. Well, let's just go ahead and say Bitcoin's market cap would basically be gazillions at that point. What comes after trillions? I got to look. So I, I'm interested in your take on this too, because. Quadrillion, sorry. Quadrillion. Then that, that makes sense. Quintrillion, sextillion, septillion, octillion. I'm not going to stop there. Perfect. Anyway. Um, so we talk about a, a lot about like decades. I think uh, personally, I would, I see this next run putting us somewhere around a hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin at some point, whether it's one touch and we go back down or whatever it is in the next four years. Um, 
and basically in the next decade, us getting to a point where we're somewhere near gold. But the question I think remains, at what point does the volatility start to look more like the stock market or mm. where volatility isn't 5% daily moves, 1% in an hour, minute b bars that go by where literally the price is going up or down 1%. Um, when does that world come? Is that a function of the market cap? Um, I mean, did the stock market look like Bitcoin in the 40s and mm. 50s? I mean, it, the stock market, if you look at an individual stock, it still does. I mean, look at Tesla True. Uh, this <laughs> week. But <laughs> yeah, great point, actually. And uh, gold can move quite a bit. I, And that's the thing. Like, if more people cared about gold, I can see it being almost as volatile as Bitcoin. Mm. Uh, it's, um, I, I think it just becomes, um, after the next cycle, like you said, uh, I do expect us to go to 100,000 eventually, mm -hmm. uh, maybe not before the next, next having, mm -hmm. uh, but probably within, by the end of the decade, I'm certainly expecting that. Yeah. And I think after that one more up and down, it's going to become a lot more stable. And also keep in mind that even when you have this five percent volatility the smaller priced items don't really matter mm. right so for example i'm looking at an unreasonably large starbucks coffee right here <laughs> and, uh, and, it's called uh, a trenta most people don't know that <laughs> <laughs> it's after the venti oh, man. <laughs> and um even today right so bitcoin has fallen from a high of twenty thousand down to three thousand now we're back to ten thousand and if you are at Starbucks buying that cup of coffee with your Bitcoin, uh, even that size, uh, this big fall would not have really reflected it mm -hmm. on that. Uh, so the, the the problem has been recently is Bitcoin hasn't been very good for these kinds of $5 micropayments. Uh, but Lightning is here. And um, I was just in Australia. They have a lot of Lightning accepting merchants there. I give it another year or two and it won't matter like this. 50% drop, even a 50% drop from 100,000 to 50,000 in one day will make absolutely no sense to your $40, $50 a month gym membership. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's such a small payment, it will be instead of $50 this month, it will be 48. And instead of $48 this month, it might be 52 next month, right? right. It's these, uh, and that's like the worst case scenario. Right. So the smaller and smaller payments become more and more stable. And with each bubble, yeah. a bigger and bigger smallish payment right. becomes more and more stable. So you just work your way up. Sure, buying a Tesla is going to be challenging even with a $100,000 Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. uh, but if Bitcoin is pushing a million dollars, you know, buying that $30 Tesla won't make that much <laughs> of a difference if Bitcoin just fell 10% that day. Right. I think there's also Great point. something Great that people point. aren't really or that they're underestimating in terms of how Bitcoin is going to grow. Um, I'm sure you saw Jack Mahler's uh, strike announcement. Did you see that? Yeah. And Jack Mahler's will be a speaker at Unconfiscatable next week. Oh, shit. Really? A plug. Yeah. All right. I'm definitely going then. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically Jack, the legend that he is, he just goes into a hole and codes with all his, with his fellow coders and then comes out with a fully working product. Strike is basically a way to... Uh, pay with Bitcoin without ever really touching Bitcoin for the uh, for the consumer. So using their app, you would go to a merchant that where it works and money would go for your bank account. It would touch Bitcoin and then the merchant would receive whatever currency they want. Um, and like we're seeing this also happen with 
things like like fold. Basically, it's like saving the uh, credit card transaction. Exactly, the transaction costs. You know, Bitcoin can help get rid of that cost, and you know, the consumer doesn't have to know they're using Bitcoin. So, mm -hmm. th and this is not like the same sort of adoption that you know we're talking about in terms of people saving it and preserving their wealth. But I think. I don't know, Tom. Like, what do you think about this? Like, I think it's going to help grow the overall use of Bitcoin. Uh, maybe. Um, uh, I mean, for me, that's not exactly the use case I'm mm -hmm. looking for. Um, I don't want to be hypocritical here, but this is, um, I kind of, I, I mean, maybe there is a need for this when it comes to serious cross-border stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it does add a slight layer of unnecessary fees. Uh, less so within the Lightning Network. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, once the Lightning Network is fully robust, uh, this kind of transaction will will not add a big fee. But anytime you add a currency in the middle, it just doesn't make a lot of logical sense. I mean, this is awesome as a proof of concept. Mm -hmm. But in reality, if I am walking into a store and I'm paying with with government fiat, I, that government fiat should be converted into other government fiat pretty seamlessly, mm -hmm. right? Now, today, that's not exactly simple because you go through a credit card and a credit card has a lot of fees, yeah. not to mention, you know, the probability of, uh, and those fees exist because there's credit cards weren't designed for the internet and there's all this like, you know, hacking and someone can use your credit card. But adding any extra layer of fee, like, I really should be able to pay with my currency uh, and instantly convert it to the currency of the merchant's choice. Mm -hmm. You know, sticking another currency in the middle of that doesn't like make things easier. Yeah, and uh, when you say that, you say like doing the transaction on Lightning, going from fiat to Lightning to fiat, it's unnecessary. Uh, yeah, that's how I see it. Like now going from uh, US dollar into Bitcoin then out of Bitcoin into the euro, mm -hmm. I just why, why can't I just go from dollar straight to euros? Right now, if the traditional finance system is making that extra expensive, and I the the U.S. dollar to euro pair is insane. I don't know how often you guys go to Europe, but when you land the next time you end up in a European country on the euro, just look at the exchange rate at the airport. I shit you not, it's a thirty percent spread. Um, <laughs> minimum, minimum. I actually had a picture. I tweeted it out a few years ago. I forgot where I was, but I was at some airport and the spread between the Euro and the British pound, like we will buy it at this price and we will sell it to you at this price was 49%. <laughs> See, but this is why I think <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, it was like I said, they, they were like, we will buy your pounds for 89 uh, cents and we will sell you um, for like a dollar 30. I'm in the wrong it business. Was something like, <laughs> it was something insane like that. Mm. Uh, I gotta find that picture. So yeah, if you can stick Bitcoin in the middle of that transaction. Right. See, but that's what we're talking about. Like yeah. Bitcoin is the middleman and Bitcoin isn't taking a fee. It's only taking the fee that's necessary. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll We'll see. It, it really depends. But in reality, that shouldn't be like the mm -hmm. traditional finance world should seamlessly convert, you know, a fiat into another fiat. Right. So it's good that Bitcoin is there when it helps. But most of the time, it, it this won't be necessary. But, it you know, but it's great that the option is there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really good. But I was more in this for 
using Bitcoin to uh, to make things easier to save in Bitcoin, mm -hmm. to pay for things in Bitcoin because it will be faster. Like anytime you got to pay with a credit card online, mm -hmm. you got to put in your personal information and they have to know your address and your phone number. And I'm like, God, I just want to pay for this thing, right? Yeah. Going from like a pull system to, to a push system also, I think people don't, they underestimate the importance of that. Of like, you know, when you use your credit card, you're actually sending your essentially your private keys yes. across the internet, which yeah. is crazy. Which you know? is also something that people kind of, merchants really, really want because with Bitcoin, it's very hard to get sign up for a membership where they keep, you know, Mm -hmm. charging you and charging until you really get fed up and you realize you should have canceled three years ago, but you're finally canceling now. Yeah. Um, so this is something that uh, you can't do. So as a merchant or even as someone like myself that wants to provide a, uh, a subscription service, Bitcoin makes it challenging because I don't have that pull option. Mm -hmm. uh, so the person has to push it out. But that would also mean that the concept of a subscription might have to change. Right. Mm -hmm. It'll be a lot more yearly, a lot more quarterly, and a lot less monthly. Mm -hmm. But hey, now people have a currency that will appreciate over that mm -hmm. year. So maybe they'll be able to afford right. yearly subscriptions instead of, you know, uh, we monthly subscriptions mm -hmm. because they can't afford a yearly. And as merchant, as a merchant, you also like won't be dealing with chargebacks anymore. So there's there's pluses yeah. and minuses. Yeah. I and think we're seeing a microtransaction economy Really, it's developing in video games a lot. You see this free-to-play model. I think that Bitcoin facilitates that a lot better to where we can start to build business models purely around content. So instead of like $15 a month, it's more like here's a video and it's 50 cents to watch it or it's 10 cents to watch it. And to the end user, it's very easy to just click this. Like you said, you don't have to enter in any information other than send money here, uh, especially on Lightning. It'll be unlocked instantly as we start to get yeah. more integrations there. And I've, I've talked about this use case, like God knows how far back, uh, at least three to four years ago, when people were starting to get concerned about, well, uh, who would be mining Bitcoin uh, when the reward is so small? Right, yeah. Um, and what if the fees are small, right? Uh, but I don't think the fees will be too small. The fees will be on Lightning and then there'll be, uh, there'll be enough transactions on chain. But my view was, I don't understand, like, like Netflix, like their stock hasn't been performing all that great lately. I don't understand how they're not on the Bitcoin bandwagon yet. They can literally go into every single region of the world mm -hmm. by simply popping up a Bitcoin QR screen mm -hmm. on a movie, a show. Yep. Like there could be the most rampant credit card fraud country. I don't want to name any countries, but <laughs> I mean, they can literally go like they get anyone can download our app and if you can't sign up from your country with a credit card just click on this movie a bitcoin qr code pops up yep. pay for it in bitcoin and you can watch it yep. like i don't understand why no one at netflix has figured this out yet mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that hard to implement they're too busy trying to make good content because you know, all their content sucks these days. <laughs> Maybe, uh, but more people will be able to watch it. Mm -hmm. right. And my argument wasn't that Netflix would greatly increase their revenue because now they can get revenue from regions that they're getting zero revenue from. My view was that if this revenue, say, brings in an extra $500 million a year or a billion dollars a year in a straight revenue or straight profit, uh, it's almost straight profit because it doesn't cost them anything, right? Um, if you're making an extra billion dollars in profit 
just by utilizing Bitcoin, it now becomes uh, an, a small expense. Hey, how about we use 20% of this revenue to run a mining farm? Because we kind of need Bitcoin to stay decentralized if we want to keep making this mm -hmm. billion dollars in extra revenue. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's how I see the future of mining. Like companies are so dependent on Bitcoin uh, for their revenue that now it becomes a line in their expenses. Uh, we're going to help keep Bitcoin decentralized so we can actually keep using it. Right. And I think, who was it? I think it was Marty Bent, actually, who, who was saying that Bitcoin mining is actually a national security issue. And I don't know, he, he, they were kind of speculating on countries mining Bitcoin. Right. Because if all the countries are mining Bitcoin, you know, then... It, it essentially keeps like the world balance. Assume, mm -hmm. This is like assuming a hyper Bitcoinized you know, right. world where they adopt Bitcoin. But uh, I don't know. It's interesting to speculate on. Yeah. All right, folks. I'm thinking that we uh, we play a little horrible game that we play on this podcast sometimes. Bitcoin or shitcoin. Bitcoin or shitcoin. Tony, are you, are you ready to play some Bitcoin or shitcoin? Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I play, uh, there's a game that I play whenever I do a podcast out of San Francisco at these like San Francisco events. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, I don't go to that city often, but you go to these like uh, altcoin events and then I just start interviewing random people on like one of those like, you know, cruises, like mm -hmm. the boat after party. And then I interview someone and then the moment when they walk away, I'm like, okay, now it's time for the game. Uh, homeless or millionaire that I just spoke to. <laughs> I love doing that in San Francisco. Uh, we, I have that problem in Venice too. Cause you'll see people walking around barefoot with like a giant bottle of water and like barefooting is a movement now. So I'm like, okay, so that doesn't mean they're homeless giant bottle of water. All right. Some of these people try to drink like 15 liters a day. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, all right. Bitcoin or shitcoin. The rules are we say something completely at random. It is an item or a noun or some sort of word. Or a company. Or com any, it can be anything. anything. And you have to tell us whether it fits into the ethos of Bitcoin or shitcoin. All right. Um, the United States dollar. What? That one's pretty obvious, I think. All right, fine. The United States dollar. Uh, that's actually not that. I, if you would have named any other fiat currency, it would have been easily. I would have said shitcoin. Okay, so the one. Um, but the the, U, the United States dollar is actually the Bitcoin to the world of fiat shitcoins. <laughs> I, I will take that as an answer. That's a good answer. All right, twenty one yeah. points to tone. Uh, we've never done points before. We're gonna let's try that. Okay. Let's see how that works. Um, a grass fed. And grass finished ribeye. Oh, that's definitely. I didn't even have to finish that. The moment I said grass fed, it automatically became Bitcoin. <laughs> Could have been a vegan steak. No. All right, moving on. <laughs> Twenty-one points. Uh, a trenta Starbucks coffee. Oh, I gotta go with the shit coin on but that. But it was one. paid for with Bitcoin using the oh. fold app. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how much did you get back? A percentage. Um, you know what? I actually I was out. I couldn't use my my uh, I couldn't use Zap, so I had to pay with credit card. But I got um, like three percent. Like you know, yeah, you're, you're, like you're in California. You can't find a good specialty coffee spot. Yeah, you can. We got some good ones. I know. Oh, you're you're, you're, you're making fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. I need to have some more coffee because I can't tell when Tone's making fun of me. <laughs> oh man, let's see. Retail doing Black Friday sales. Bitcoin or shit coin? Hmm. Oh. Uh, uh, 
you know, sales are uh, the, sales are pretty good. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards the Bitcoin thing. You know, people should be able to get good deals. I I just shop online. I don't know why the hell anyone goes retail. So probably shitcoin. Buy it online. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was gonna argue. I would say shitcoin because it should just be that price all the time. Like, why is it marked up? Yeah, I think sales are they're just meant to to. It's just what's the word? Psychology. You know, yeah, exactly. All right, what do we got next? Um, come on, Russell, I need help with this. I wanted to write the list out ahead of time, and you said no. Let's wing it. So here you go. It's your time to shine. The Bible. The Bible. Oh God. <laughs> which Bible? I, well, you Is it Toshi have, White Paper? You like, don't, in which case, that's very big. You don't have to answer that. That that opens up a world of trouble. The U.S. Constitution, Bitcoin <sighs> or shitcoin, with all of the amendments. Oh, I don't know all the amendments. Well, it just like. Ending abolishing slavery, yeah. I wish I could answer these as a one word. Now, I'm gonna actually say the U.S. Constitution is pretty damn good. The problem is nobody follows it, yeah. Um, so <laughs> the I, idea of America, I, right, is what America like, actually is. <laughs> the original, like some of the let the, the the final, uh, like if they actually followed it, it would be Bitcoin. I mean, it's still, uh, you know, one of the best systems we have. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of problems with it, but it's still up there. So I'm going to go with Bitcoin, but it needs to be followed, which it isn't. Mm. 21 points. All right, I've got one. Um, only because I want to hear you complain about it again. Uh, Canadian customs. Oh, God, that is such a shit coin. <laughs> can, can you tell us why? <laughs> Man, like I, I, I think that's the border that asks me the most questions. It's uh, it's like so frustrating to go to Canada these days. But at least they were polite about it. Do right? they think you're a Russian hacker? Not really. Like, uh, what what is it that makes them not like you? Uh, they just don't like people coming into their country without an actual reason. Like, you can't like go to Vancouver for the weekend, uh, and your answer is like, never been to Vancouver. I kind of want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That seems like a pretty pretty normal way to get into normal response. Yeah. <laughs> Your country's beautiful. I have a fuck uh, off. Uh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> All right, Russ, what do you got? What do you got for us? I think that's it. That was a pretty solid game. I All think right. we end right there. All right, it was a solid game. Tone, thank you so much for coming on the pod. It was a pleasure. Uh, can you tell the listeners at home where to buy a ticket to Unconfiscatable and anything else that they should know? Sure. Uh, tickets are still on sale. Uh, the event will take place on February 22nd with an awesome poker game on February 23rd and a carnivory dinner the night before on Friday, February 21st. Uh, tickets are on sale at unconfiscatable.com. Um, also check out my work, I'm Tone Vase pretty much everywhere, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, uh, check those out. And the uh, conferences that will take place later on this year are understandingbtc.com and also the Financial Summit dot com so check those out as well awesome and you've, I, you've said that before you've practiced that uh that was that was good that was yeah, a good show do you come to la often or, you, or do you live around here uh no i usually just uh fly through la okay but whenever i fly through a place that i know has a community mm -hmm. i always try to stick around for a day or two okay i just hate connecting flights uh mm. i constantly fly around the world all year and connecting flights just very frustrate frustrate me and there's so many things that can go wrong so I always try to set up my schedule that I stop at places for at least a couple of nights. And uh, that's what I did uh, in the beginning of my trip that started in, it was going to be New Zealand, Australia, Indonesia, and Philippines. 
uh, but it started off in LA. So I spent a night or two here. Mm. And now on the back end of my trip, I'm doing the same thing. Cool. Yeah, I would love to get you on another podcast where we talk less about like the ethos and more about like trading in this world and why that might be good or might not be good or uh, how people can get involved. Uh, yeah, for sure. Next time I'm coming through LA, I'll definitely reach out. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Tone. Thank you again. We'll see you soon. Right. Hope you enjoyed, you folks. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, consider leaving us a positive review, and sharing us with your friends. And if you'd like to earn interest on your Bitcoin, Tantra Labs has the highest performing return on debt in Bitcoin. To find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, Medium, or the contact link available in the show notes. Thanks for listening.